It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast as we talk Bengals. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Jed Demusi from Local12, sports anchor, producer, and interviewer extraordinaire. Uh, we, here are, we are here at Paul Brown Stadium as the Bengals get set to play the dress rehearsal game on Sunday against the Washington Redskins in Washington. And, and there's a lot of, of, of questions, I guess, entering this game from a personnel standpoint because we haven't seen John Ross yet. George Iloka hasn't played in the preseason yet. Drake Kirkpatrick hasn't played in the preseason. Giovanni Bernard has not played in the preseason. What do you want to see as far as those guys maybe getting some snaps on, on Sunday in Washington, Jed? Well, I, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not too concerned with seeing them play I think it, it's more of a thing for them if they want to play I think when we know kind of what they're capable of it would be nice in a perfect world if they did but I don't think if they're a game time decision that it makes sense for them to play in this preseason game I think the fans would like to see it this isn't this isn't a Le'Veon Bell contract holdout situation these guys are all dealing with with injuries and they may be nagging but if they don't feel comfortable, if the medical staff doesn't feel comfortable with them playing, I don't necessarily need to see them play. I think one of the things I'll be interested in, obviously it's going to be important for that first team, whoever suits up, to, to go down the field and, and score a touchdown. We have not seen sort of that red zone question that I had at the beginning of the preseason. That question has not been answered. But I think, really, I'm interested more in how this team fills out outside of the starters. I think the starters outside of the offensive line are spoken for. I think those that those second team guys are the guys who really got exposed in the second preseason game against Kansas City. I'm interested to see how this back end of the roster fills out. I think really we're going to find out about that against Washington more so than is Drake Kirkpatrick still a good player. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not so much concerned seeing Dre play or George play. I, I do think it's important, although talking to Kyle Kasky yesterday, he didn't seem to put a ton of importance on it. I, I think it is important, though, for Giovanni Bernard to test that knee before the regular season starts. He's, he's tested in every way other than full speed game contact. And I think it's also important... I do think it's important for John Ross to get some reps, and I think he's going to get them. He, this is now the second week he's been practicing. Um, I'm, I'm assuming he's probably going to be good to go. I think those two guys, I, I'm with you on if Dre plays great, if he doesn't, okay. If Iloka plays great, although he's a guy that said he'd like to get a few snaps in, and right. so is Dre, but I'm not as much concerned. But I, I do think getting Giovanni Bernard some snaps and getting John Ross some snaps, there, there's a little level of importance to that, in my opinion. I guess the question becomes then, not so much with Gio, but with John, is how much tape do you give the Baltimore Ravens on him? If he plays, if he gets some snaps, how watered down is his involvement going to well, be? Well, I, I think it's already watered down a little bit. And, and I, I say that only because I don't think they, they – they like to rep their wide receivers at a lot of different spots. Um, I think for them, and <clears throat> excuse me, at least what Ken Zampezi talked about a while back uh, before camp started, was they want to let him learn one spot – and learn a few things and go from there. So I don't even, I don't even know how much you'd give away. Look, if Baltimore saw him on tape right. and he ran a nine route, which is a deep pass, and he ran past the cornerback, I think they probably know he's pretty fast. Right. But I get your point. I mean, I don't think you'll see any trick stuff or, or wide receiver screen stuff. I, mean, I don't think they'll tip their hand completely. But I think you still have to get that kid in and let him know what the speed of the NFL is all about. Yeah, that's true. I, I do think, yes, I think it's beneficial for the players that you mentioned to get into the games. I think it's important for Gio to know that he can do it. I think it's important for Ross to get up to game speed. 
But I think from a fan perspective, they're going to say, we want to see these guys against sure. Washington. And I don't know necessarily if that is the best long-term plan for either one of those guys from a strategy standpoint, from a health standpoint. But for their personal standpoint, yes, I understand what you're saying. I think it is important for, for Ross to get out there. But I, I also think it would be a nice ace up the sleeve going into week one against the Ravens to have – virtually no John Ross tape available for them to, to figure out how they're going to utilize him. So, yeah, maybe for, for those players in particular, but if they don't play, I'm not going to be that upset. Yeah, I think fans, you're right. There's no doubt they want to see John Ross, and, and, and they'd like to see him sooner rather than later for sure. Um, you mentioned a little bit of the roster stuff. Well, let's start on that offensive line where it does look like they've settled on five guys. Um, and really the only surprise from before training camp started to where it is now and where it's probably heading in the regular season is Trey Hopkins has kind of come, I don't want to say off the radar, because they've had him now for four years, but he, he came from a guy that on my first preseason projected roster, um, I didn't have him making the team even. I just thought the numbers were up against it, and lo and behold, he's, he's taken a hold and become the starting right guard. Um, there are question marks obviously still very much about the starting offensive line, and so far from a depth perspective, we haven't seen a whole lot from, from those guys either. Eric Winston has not looked good in camp, has not looked great in games. Andre Smith looked terrible the other night at right tackle um, in a backup role. I'm just not sure how much depth there is on this line. I mean, that's what we've been saying. You know, there, there isn't a lot of depth. And I'm not privy to the rest of the rosters in the NFL. I don't know necessarily how much depth New England has on their offensive line or Baltimore or Pittsburgh or whatever. I know – you know, there there was a situation last year with Minnesota where they had very little depth, and and obviously they didn't have Teddy Bridgewater, but their season was sort of railroaded by a lack of depth on the on the offensive line. I know Seattle has had issues, so I don't think that it's a unique situation going around the league where you say to yourself, "Hey, we've got these five guys that we're happy with," and outside of that, it's kind of going to be a mass unit or you know kind of plug and play and we're not really happy with who we're plugging and playing. I think when you when you're around the team as much as you are and and I cover the team as much as I do, it's easy to forget that the problems that this team has in particular are not unique problems in the NFL. We've seen I mean Aaron Rodgers has struggled with an offensive oh, sure. line. It feels like the first 4 weeks of every season he's trying to figure out uh, or they're trying to figure out how to protect him properly, and sometimes they don't even fix that, and they still are able to mask it. And, and I'm not saying, oh, the Bengals are the New England Patriots or right. the Green Bay Packers, but what I am saying is we've talked about it all preseason. I think just maybe devil's advocate is saying it's a luxury to think that you have seven or eight guys, three of which aren't going to start but can fill in any gap that you may have. That, that luxury just does not exist in the NFL really with any team. So the fact that people are biting their nails over, oh, what happens if, you know, Trey Hopkins, who wasn't necessarily number one on the depth chart coming in, what happens if he stumbles? There are teams around the league, there are offensive line coaches and head coaches around the league losing sleep. If somebody goes down, what's going to happen? Yeah, no doubt. But I, I, I think it's one of those that we, we just don't know. Um, and, and you can't really always tell, at least first team-wise, in the preseason either. Not as many blitz packages, not as much stunning. Um, the guys don't play a lot of snaps. Some teams play more snaps than, than other snaps. I think the line so far in the first two games has held up okay. Andy Dalton had a little more pressure on him the other night. Um, the one sack came when it looked like it was a miscommunication with Trey Hopkins and, and one of the tackles. And, and I'm okay with that happening in preseason because, look, they're still trying to get used to what each other can do. But it's not like 
Andy Dalton has taken snaps so far in the preseason, and as soon as he gets the snap, there are people in his face. And they've run the ball okay at times as well. So maybe that's a good baby step to take to make you breathe a little easier for right now. And and they're obviously, you know, going forward, if we say these are the five, then then that's obviously a place to watch against the, against Washington. Obviously, it's been a focal point all preseason, and it will continue that way, especially if it's as solidified as, as, you, as you say it is, which I believe you. So it, it, that's going to be a, a spot to pay attention to. Obviously, if Geo can get in the mix, the things they can do. I think another big thing for this team is getting Joe Mixon up to speed with pass blocking. And being able to being able to handle a blitz, being able to recognize a blitz. I think there were a couple of times where I don't know if it was particularly G or uh, Joe Mixon in the backfield, but I think the running backs have had a difficult time from what I've seen in preseason, sort of a, you know picking up and 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 being able to keep guys off the quarterback. So it's it's not just those five guys that are going to be tasked with protecting Andy Dalton. So I think across the board, it's it's they everybody needs to sort of figure out where they're going going forward, especially now that the offensive line is solidified. Joe Mixon's obviously been the talk of training camp since it started. Had a very good preseason opener. A little bit of mixed results in, in, in preseason game number two. There weren't as many places to run. I thought he was spectacular on a, on a short screen pass that he caught. He turned it into a 15-yard gain. But, but one guy who, who's been asked to respond because of Joe Mixon is Jeremy Hill. And if at least you look at the way he's run the ball, um, the fact he is in better condition, better shape, um, and how effectively he's kind of run it in preseason, he's responded at least the way you would have hoped he'd responded to this point. And I don't think – I think everyone thinks they know what they're getting with Jeremy Hill. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he has the ability to be more than what people have seen I agree. in the past couple of years. And I think he is responding to that. You know, we just sat him down, not to give away too much of what we have planned on for the Bengals special on Local 12 coming up next weekend. But just the way he is, is talking to us and the way he interacts with, with Joe and, and Gio Bernard, you get the sense that he's not pressing. You get the sense that he's not he's not losing sleep over his contract situation being you know this being a contract year for him. I think almost the the arrival of Mixon and Geo being healthy is taking a little bit of a weight off his shoulders. And I think he's he I'll say this at the very least whether or not you think Jeremy Hill can be a different running back than you've seen the past couple of years, the stars are aligned for him to be. If he has another gear, this is the best case scenario for him to show it. There were a couple times last year where he gutted games out. There were a couple times last year where I think if they had an option off the bench, he probably would have taken a breather for maybe a series or two. And they didn't have really. A, yeah, a, they, they had Burkhead. They had Burkhead, and I, I until that last game when they had to play Rex Burkhead because he was kind of the only running back, and he showcased himself very well. And those last regular season games can be very right. different. Um, I just don't know if they even trusted his durability factor either. I really don't. I think that was the first time they just said, let's just see what the kid's got. It's the last game. What do we got to lose? He's probably leaving anyway. And um, I, I don't think they trusted it in that regard. So, yeah, I, yeah, there's no doubt about what you're saying. I think he's he's going to have the opportunity to shine. And, and it may be, you know, addition by subtraction when it comes to his, his number of carries. If, if they can lessen his workload a bit, what you get out of him when he is on the field his production may may go up. Let's talk about the, the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line's the most interesting, obviously, battles in camp because there are a lot of guys um, still battling for eight or nine spots probably. Um, talking to Paul Gunther, the defensive coordinator, on Monday, he's going to try to play some of those 
those younger guys and, and even a Chris Smith who's looked great against second and third stringers rushing the passer. Um, he's going to try him earlier in the Washington game because he wants to see what those, those guys have. I, I asked him, I said, I, you've got a lot of options at rusher at the end opposite Carlos Dunlop. What about your, your base guy? And that's, that's where I think they're still searching. Michael Johnson technically is the starter in base. The, the two roster projections I've done, I've had him cut. I'm probably going to be wrong because he probably will make this team by default almost. But they don't have right now what you would categorize as a three-down end. I, I think maybe Jordan Willis, the rookie, can become that. But I don't think they're ready to turn to a rookie in, in week one doing that. So Michael Johnson's the guy. I mean, this this franchise has given opportunities to guys at this position, whether it be Marcus Hunt, who's moved on, whether it be Will Clark, who is still here. It, it just nobody seems to be able to to take that baton from from Michael Johnson. I mean, I didn't think when Michael Johnson left for Tampa Bay that he would ever be back, and now this is year number two, where year number three, year number three, where he's been back uh, with this team and and. You hate to say that he's going to get a roster position by default because you and I have never made a roster for an NFL team or nowhere close to it. But I think if you look at it objectively, that is what is happening. And because nobody, either Willis isn't ready or some guys haven't proven that they, that they can jump up, there have been plenty of opportunities. There have been plenty of opportunities. And I think what a lot of people are going to say is if Michael Johnson makes a team, well, why aren't we giving the younger guys a chance? Why aren't we keeping somebody else on? Why aren't we keeping this player on? Why aren't we keeping that player on? Well, all of those things have had an opportunity to play themselves out in training camp, and Michael Johnson at the end of the day is the guy that they trust if they end up keeping him. Yeah, and again, it's not a matter. You may look at Chris Smith, and Chris Smith is a better pure pass rusher. I don't care if he's playing second or third team guys, right. whoever he's playing, he's a better pure pass rusher, but he's very small. Can he can he play first down base where it's, it's not all running plays, but obviously it's a first and ten, so it's a 50-50 proposition what teams are going to do. You've got to have an end that can handle himself in the run game. I think Jordan Willis might be able to do that. I just don't know if they trust him doing that yet. Um, could a Wallace Gilbert, does he have enough left in the tank to, to do that? I mean, there, there are some questions there, but it, it all comes back around when you look and you go, I don't think Mike's good enough to make this team, and he looks old and looks slow, but if he's a guy that it's your first down base guy, that's maybe, maybe how he winds up making it. And there have been guys on this defense who have – don't need to name names, but they've been old and slow and stayed on the team. I mean, this isn't the first time. No, I, the, it, it, I was one of my colleagues' kids that the Bengals are always about a year late. They they really they, they want to honor contracts and honor deals, and, and you can laugh at it, but I think it's why sometimes they're able to re-sign their own guys. Um, you know, they kept Ray Maluga probably a year too long. Um, they probably kept Domata Pecco maybe a year too long, although he was still a productive enough base defensive sure. tackle, not as athletic as Andrew Billings probably, not as athletic as Ryan Glasgow, the young the rookie probably, but still was, an, was effective enough. I just don't even know if Michael's in that category, for goodness sakes. Who, who's impressed you more this this training camp slash preseason, Glasgow or Billings? Um, Glasgow's impressed me more, but I've also seen it mostly against, again, backup guys. Um He's he's been what I was I think they were hoping, which is he's just a gritty in the trenches type first down tackle that that I think will be part of a rotation group. I think they like what they what he's done and what they've seen. I think he and Billings I think have have done well. Obviously Billings again coming off his injury, he he has shown that brute strength that everyone said that he was going to have. You know I think what he said a record bench press at the combine 
recently. The Bengals have really loved the combine numbers. But I think there there have been certain situations where he has looked good. I think there have been certain situations where Glasgow has looked good. And that was sort of my question at the beginning of this. That's sort of what I want to see, and we've touched on it. We've sort of danced around it, is some of these second guys, second team guys or maybe third team guys, what can these guys do against if you are able to get them in the mix earlier in the game and see what they can do against guys who are going to make other teams, what can they accomplish? Yeah, and Paul Gunther basically gave that away on Monday, saying that, that I want to see what these guys can do against some first team guys, and it's, it's smart. I, I think he, he knows they've got some tough decisions to make, so let's give a fair evaluation process before we before we make it. Let's talk about the secondary now, where uh, so far in, in, in preseason we've not seen Drake Kirkpatrick as we mentioned earlier we've uh we've barely seen Adam Jones but we've seen a lot of William Jackson the third and Darquez and Arjed and and really both have acquitted themselves pretty well they've not gotten tested a ton um although William Jackson when I said uh how many times have you caught one-on-one with Deshaun Jackson in that opener he 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 said a few times and he said they didn't look my way so apparently he felt pretty good about what he's done he's had a good camp I think the good part is he he was a bit of a question mark coming in and he probably still is till we see him in the regular season but both those guys Denard needing to have a good year um, and and getting a chance to actually be healthy for the first time in his career in a preseason, and Jackson have played pretty well. And I, I, I think, obviously, both have something to prove for different reasons. Jackson, because he was hurt all of last year, and Denard really has had, uh, I guess, you know, I hate to say a pedestrian career so far, but they obviously both – as you've mentioned, they, they may may not have been tested the way that they will be in the regular season, but if you go forward with those two guys and then you bring in Dre and then after game one you bring in Adam Jones with those four, potentially Kavari Russell as well as as cornerbacks, that's, that's a pretty good group. I, I am hoping, though, that we do see Adam Jones against the Washington Redskins at least briefly. Garbage for Terrell Pryor, who has made the move from Cleveland to uh, to Washington. See if we can rekindle that flame a little bit in preseason. We may get sort of an Andre Risen, Deion Sanders when Deion went to San Francisco situation where they the ball had snapped and they just haul off and it's it's, it's just a yeah. <laughs> There's there's no football to it. I don't think Adam Adam needs that based on the fact no. he's already suspended for one game. No, I don't I'm think not. You need, I don't think you need more. In fact, I think if I'm the Bengals, he <laughs> doesn't play for that reason. Yeah, maybe he maybe he just stays back and watches it here in the, the comforts of his home here in Cincinnati. He doesn't even make the trip. That's probably not a good idea now that I think about it. As much as that would be interesting to see, but uh, this team should feel pretty good about where they are at the cornerback position. Uh, lastly, the the other real battle on the roster comes at the at the kicker spot and. Both guys have kicked well. Jake Elliott, the rookie, and the incumbent Randy Bullock. Bullock has really, I think, responded like a pro. Um, has hardly missed any kicks at all in, in, in practices or camp. Neither one has missed a kick in, in preseason games. Really, the only blemishes so far, Elliott missed a couple of kicks in the, in the scrimmage, missed a field goal and an extra point, and then had a bad day kicking long field goals in practice the other day. He was one out of four when Bullock went four for four. But in game settings, they, they both have gotten the job done. I I think everybody still assumes this is an easy decision to make, that if the rookie shows enough, you keep the rookie, and maybe that'll be the case. But I think Randy Bullock's made the decision very, very difficult on them. I mean, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. 
obviously Randy Bullock has done enough to make this team, but he has also done enough in his career that somebody somewhere along the line has cut him. We're not talking about... Cut him multiple... Yes. The Bengals last year were his fifth team in the last two seasons. There's a reason for that. So do you trust what you see out of him, or do you roll the dice with a guy who doesn't have any experience. I mean, it's not an easy decision because you, you, you hope that the team would judge Randy Bullock on, on what he's done since he's been here. And obviously he missed the kick against the Texans at the, at the end of the year a season ago. But if all things are equal, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. What do you do? Do you give it to a, a veteran who's been there before, who you know has done enough to not stay on teams in the past or do you give it to a rookie who you don't know how that situation is going to play out a Roberto Aguayo situation who suddenly goes four for his first nine and costs you a game you just can't afford that yeah I mean you hope that's not the case you hope you've got enough that this is decision and it's not just the field goals you can look at those numbers some of it is also kickoff related so far all they've had him do is kick it as far as they can And, and there are times in this league you don't want to kick it through the end zone for a touchback you want to hang it high in the air let your coverage guys come down there, maybe pin teams inside the 15-yard line. Uh, probably, truth be told, Elliott's kickoffs are better. But, boy, when you got a guy that's making everything in sight, it's hard to say goodbye to that guy, especially when he's done it in this league before. You and I, I think, talked about it on Sunday night on the Sports Authority. I don't know if, if they would entertain keeping Elliott on the practice squad. I know that that would cost them a position spot, obviously, that they don't want to give up. But do you hedge your bets and, and keep Bullock on the team? Because I think if you cut Bullock right now, he gets picked up somewhere else. I think he does. And, Elliot, I, I, don't think if he, I, I don't think he gets picked up right away. And I do think you could probably stash him on the practice squad. I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think um, that maybe a team in week three, four, or five that's having kicking woes may then say, hey, we'll take him off your team and put him on our regular 53-man team and make him our kicker. But um, – but then, then the fear is, all right, we, we, have a, we, we have a kid that we think can kick in this league for the next decade or so. Do you really want to run any kind of risk whatsoever of losing him? Tough. It's a, t- it's a tough decision because they're kickers. You can very easily make the wrong move. You know, we, we talk about it on a, on a different level all the time when we go out and shoot high school football, if we go to the first game that we go to, we're going to get no touchdowns and there's going to be seven touchdowns at the game. Then we're supposed to go to, but any decision you make ends up being the wrong one. It just feels like you were supposed to go to this. There's a law. I think it's called Murphy's law. <laughs> right. So will the Bengals get burned by making the wrong decision? I don't know if it were me, I would keep Elliot just because I know Good Randy Bullock is is good, but bad Randy Bullock exists. And he cost you a game last year. Uh, let's face facts. He had one pressure kick to make, and he didn't make it. Um, and you would love if he would give you a reason to, to get rid of him, but he hasn't. He hasn't yeah. so far this preseason. He has not done anything where you can point at and say, okay, I can, you know, there's the thread in the cheap suit that I'm going to pull because he hasn't done it, and, and you almost wish that he would give you a reason to do it. All right, let people know what, what we got coming up, at least on the special, because there's a lot of different things. I know you guys interviewed Katie, uh, Katie Blackburn, um, Katie Brown Blackburn here uh, recently. Um, you mentioned the three-headed running back story that you guys did, but there, there's a lot of different things, and I think I'll touch on when you and something you and I are going to do in the special as well. Yeah, well, uh, we just ended up right where we're standing actually doing this podcast. We taped the debut show of In the Trenches, where – Carlos Dunlap, his interview show that he did with uh, John Ross, it was pretty funny. They ended up talking Snoop Dogg and 
Carlos was a little critical of John Ross not accepting the island from Adidas and going with Nike. So that'll be in the special as well. I'm working on a feature uh, about Dave Lapham. You know, I, I spent a quarter with him in the booth, and and uh, you know, he's he's a special guy. He's he's been a good friend to me since since I've come here. And I think a lot of people look at him and say, "Oh, he's too loud, or he's too much of a fan out there." But I, I think I don't think people really know how much work he puts into uh, each and every game. So we'll have a feature on him. Obviously, we did a a, a three-headed monster running backs feature. We're going to have a past and present feature with. A, an offensive lineman from the past and, and a current one. So we're doing a lot. You're obviously going to be involved as well. Yeah, we're going to do a uh, look at the – I did a top – it's obviously the 50th year of the Bengals. The Bengals themselves released a top 50 list. I did one um, about the same time. Ours are different in, in many ways. Um, they had some fan voting involved. I basically just did it myself, and, and I also included some, some current players. So what you and I are going to do is we're going to actually – Reveal the top ten again for those that maybe didn't see it. We'll have that in the special and, and looking forward to, to kind of breaking that down as well. So we've got a, a lot of stuff coming up. And, of course, we'll have this podcast uh, each and every week throughout the NFL season and probably some more Bengals podcasts as well as we go along. And don't forget Bengals Nation will start on September 6th at the Moorline Lager House, our guest for week number one. I believe is scheduled to be Wallace Gilberry, but we will see. I, I, nothing is set in stone right now, but Moreline Lager House at 6 o'clock. Bengals Nation getting underway. We are ready and full bore for go. There you go. It's on lo- Local 12 and Local12.com, we got all your Bengals coverage. For Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us on today's Skinny Podcast.